Father, we do uh, just lift up this time today and ask that you, God, would do that work that only you can do. As John kind of wraps up this letter, I, I see, you know, he just is still challenging us and desiring for us to become uh, stronger in our faith, to grow more in love with you. And I thank you that as we, as we wrap this up, there's, there's not just a, okay, be blessed over and out, but there's just, there's just this challenge in our life. And Lord, I know no matter what we're going through, no matter where we're at, whether we're real high, whether we're real low, that God, we know you're on the throne, so help us to draw closer to you and to trust you more. So I pray, God, that you would just bless this time and that you would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. John is wrapping up 1 John here, and as he's wrapping this up, it is interesting to me because most of the letters, when they start closing, they kind of start winding down. And, you know, Paul may say sometimes, greet so-and-so and, and yada, yada, yada. And John is still going. John's going strong. It's like, it's like he's kind of the kind of guy, I think, he doesn't know when to stop. So he's just going to stop when he's done. But he doesn't like go, you know, okay, let's close this up. So he's going to challenge us today. And the interesting thing is... Verse 18 follows 16 and 17. I know some of you are going, duh, we can do. I'm talking about the thought. Remember when they wrote the letters, they weren't writing chapters and verses. They weren't writing the headings. They were writing a letter to somebody. And they were, you know, pouring out their hearts and instructing and, and you know, just had that desire to see people change. So kind of keep that in mind. You can't, you can't segregate 18, 19, and 20, and 21 from 16 and 17, and you can't segregate 16 and 17 from 14, 15, and say, are you, get, are you getting what I'm talking about? Hey, we gotta keep all of this stuff flowing, and sometimes it bumps me, like my Bible has a big heading above verse 18, and sometimes when it does that, we kind of break the thought and then start over, but that's not what he's doing. So he's got this whole idea going on and especially 14, 15, 16, 17. And there he talks about if you see your brother in sin. Now he's gonna tell us, listen, he's gonna tell us three important things that as believers, we know. And I love this, we know. Now, here's the question. Do we know? John is assuming we know but do we know? Is this stuff we know about our relationship with the Lord and our walk with the Lord? So that's the challenge we have this morning. And, and listen, I, think, I, I find this incredible as we look at it. There's a little bit of complexity we gotta work through. I don't think it's that hard. Brainiacs think it's real hard. I think sometimes, Pastor Jack and I were talking earlier today, sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? You just kind of read it and believe it and just go on. And you don't have to like overthink it and try and dig in. So let's look at this. He says in verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Now I want to stop there for a minute and camp out there because that's a heavy statement, right? Any of you guys sin? And then he makes that statement. I mean, do you ever read your Bible and go, huh, I thought I was born of God. 
But since I sinned on my way to church today, so what is he talking about? Obviously, he's not talking about we never sin again. And he's brought that up even in the letter, right? He says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And so he's not talking about sinning so much. He's talking about a continual, habitual state of sin that you're living in. And he says, if you're born of God, you're not living in that anymore. Let me, let me interpret it this way. If you're born again, you've changed. You've changed and listen, it's not a change you accomplished. You changed because God changed you. He worked in you. I believe being born again is more than just a phrase, more than just terminology, more than just a cool title that Christians put on one another. Sometimes people ask me, are you one of those born again Christians? My pat answer is, is there any other kind of Christian? Of course I am. But when, listen, something takes place spiritually when we are born again. We're changed, and that's what John is trying to say here. Those who are born of God do not sin. So what does he say? We know that. Do you know that? Listen, do you know that you were radically changed and have a new life and you're going a new direction? I'm ministering close to where I grew up. Bisbee. And it's always great to me when people come and say, man, I was talking to somebody that knows you. And it's somebody that knew the old Pat, not the new Pat, not the born again Pat. So listen, and that's fine. I don't care. They can say things. It's fine. It won't be nice. <laughs> but listen, something changed. I'm not that person anymore. So this is what he's saying. And then he says this. Here's where it gets a little bit hard. Then he says, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Now, here's what I think that gets a little bit tricky. And the New King James and the, and the original King James have it in such a way where, like it's written, and he who's born of God keeps himself. That sounds like we keep ourselves, right? Sounds like, like we have to, but... In the original language, it's a little bit different. In the original language, it's talking about he who is born of God, referring to Jesus Christ. And it says he who is born of God keeps him safe. In other words, you know why you don't sin? Because Jesus keeps you safe. Because Jesus works in your life. Because of what he's doing. Let me read a little bit of the Brainiac stuff. So we kind of understand. So in the first part where he says, he who is born of God, we know that he who is born of God does not sin. The word there for born uh, is, uh, uh, is the first, it's the first one is the perfect participle. So it's a participle in the perfect tense, which means, and it's one John regularly uses to describe Christians, it indicates a relationship begun at a point in the past with a continuing effect in the present. Like, we could even say it this way. I was born, so now I live, right? So, that's the way it was. Now, when he says the second one, he who, is, uh, he who has been born of God, that participle is in the aorist tense, which means it expresses a once and for all fact. 
It refers to the one who is born of God outside of time and is therefore the eternal son. Let me read that verse 18 in the, in the NIV. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. Yes, right? That gives us strength. I don't know about you, but when I read of something I have to do, I get a little bit freaked out because I'm not real good. I'm not really good at doing some stuff, right? And if my walk with the Lord depends completely on me, I'm gonna blow it. Maybe you guys have really good walks and you got some really good strength. I know me and I know what's gonna happen, but when I read, he keeps me safe, he keeps the evil one from touching me, yes, yes. I think sometimes we downplay the power that Satan has. And here's what I mean. Do you understand he's a very powerful being? He's an angel. And here we go along, I'll take him out. No, I don't think so. You know, I, I think we gotta understand that. Do you remember when it tells us that Michael the archangel was struggling with Satan? And I think Michael's a pretty heavy-duty created being, right? And what does it say? Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. We need to be careful, right? I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying we need to run afraid, but we need to be careful. Jesus can take care of that stuff, and we need to watch and stay in our lane where we're at. I, I get uptight when people are always rebuking and yelling at the devil and stuff, and, and uh, I just think, I think sometimes they're just wasting their breath. And we need to understand that. We need to let the Lord rebuke him. As a new believer, I read the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. Some of you are familiar with that. Dave Wilkerson did the ministry in New York with the gangs. One of the things I read, I'll never forget, and this is a, you know, this is a Pentecostal guy, right? He's kind of more into some of the stuff than we are. And here's what Dave said. He said, whenever the devil knocks on the door, I answer it, and then I turn around and say, Jesus, it's for you. I love, that's just stuck with me, you know? I just think, yeah, because my God can handle him, and I have that, and he's going to protect me. Even on top of that, do you know that some of the bad things that happen in your life are because God wants to fix you? Do you know that? It always cracks me up. People will be yelling at the devil, and sometimes I think Jesus goes, excuse me? Just trying to do a little work in your life, man, trying to clean some things up. So we need to remember that, right? So here's the thing. We know that those who are born of God do not sin or continue to sin in a, in a sinful state. And we also know that he who was born of God, Jesus, keeps us safe. He's the one who keeps us safe and does not allow the evil one to touch us. So we have that. So my question this morning, do we know that? Is that a reality in our life? Now he's gonna move on to another we know. And he says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked, in the, the sway of the wicked one. 
This is our buddy John again. Everything's black and white with John. Everything is you're here or here. He doesn't give any in-betweens, right? You're either in Christ or you're in the sway of the wicked one. You're either part of the family of God or you're part of the world. He doesn't give any in-between. And I kind of like that about John. He's very blunt, very bold. But do we know that? Do we know that if we have this relationship with Jesus and we're part of that family, that we are not part of that sway that's going on in the world? I think most of us would say, yeah, I kind of I look around and see the world's a little bit different. Do you feel like an alien? Do you feel like, I don't belong here? Do you ever, do you ever just like look around and think, what am I doing here? Now, I know, listen, I know, and we're gonna talk about this, I know once we're born again, our worldview changes and things change, and we're gonna, we're gonna say why in a minute, another thing we know. But as we change, sometimes we forget that we were one of those people. And we go around saying nasty things, derogatory things, and you were one of those. You were there. Don't ever forget that. And I know when I was there, I don't want people saying nasty things and derogatory things to me. That pushes you away, right? We need to draw people in. But we do need to understand we're not part of this world system. Listen, he's not talking about just the physical world. He's talking about the world system and the things going on. We're not part of that. And we need to know that God has separated us from that. And we walk with him, and we're not gonna see things the same. It always cracks me up when Christians get like uptight when the world's doing something that the world does, right? I laugh when, and usually it's a corporation. Some corporation will do something and come up with something, and they'll go, man, did you hear what they do? Let's boycott them. And I'm thinking, why are we boycotting them? Because they're not doing it like Christians. Because they're not Christians, that's why. Why do we get uptight when the world acts like the world? Here's what, here's what we are saying when we're doing that. I want them to be hypocrites and act like Christians. Oh, that'd be worse, wouldn't it? So don't get so uptight when the world acts like the world. How else is it supposed to act? Again, Dave Wilkerson comes to mind. I don't know if it was in the book or later on, but there was a point where he had told his wife that she could never buy groceries where they sold alcohol. This was back, way back, obviously. And he said, you can't buy groceries. Wherever they sell alcohol, go to a different store. Don't shop in that store. So he came home one night, and there's nothing for dinner. <laughs> and he goes, what's up? And she goes, every store is selling alcohol. You know what happened? His theology changed suddenly, <laughs> right? When you can't get food, all of, a sudden, all of a sudden your lines change. So what I'm saying is be careful how we draw those lines. Why would we expect a grocery store to be Christian, right? It's a grocery store run by the world. So kind of keep that in mind. So here's what John is saying. This is what we know. We know we're of God, right? We're part of him. We're going to learn more about that. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world is influenced by the wicked one. Jesus in Luke said it this way. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So Jesus had that same line. Do you kind of get the idea that John might have hung out with Jesus? Maybe for three and a half years. 
kind of got some of this stuff and, he, and it soaked in and soaked in his heart. Now, he goes a little bit further. So what do we know so far? We know that if we're born of God, we do not sin and that he who is born of God protects us and keeps us. And then we also know that we are of God, not of the world. And thirdly, we know that the Son of God has come. I just like to stop there, right? The Son of God came. God invaded our world. How bizarre is that? That is the most, I mean, you think about that. And I've had the opportunity to travel a lot. I've seen a lot of religions. I've seen some animism down in Mexico with some of the tribal people. I've seen Buddhism in Thailand up close and personal. I've seen Hinduism in India up close and personal. And I see all of that. And here's the thing that blows my mind. My God came to me. I don't have to reach up to my God. All of those people are trying to get their God's attention. And they're having to go through so many things. And here's what my Bible says. Here's what I know. The Son of God came into my world. Yes, yes. And better than that, check this out, and he's come and giving us understanding so we know, so that we may know him who is true. How come you know God this morning? Not because you're smart. You might be smart. Not because you're a great studier. Not because you figured everything out. Why do you know God? Because he gave you understanding. Yes. Because God gave us understanding. I got saved later in life. I got saved when I was 31. So I did 31 years without God. And I did 31 years on my own. And even close to the time I got saved, I didn't want to have anything to do with God. I didn't want to get close to him and I surely did not want to get saved. People around me were getting saved. I did not want to get saved. I declared that to a friend of mine. I don't want that. Why did I get saved? Because God gave me understanding. It wasn't because I figured it out. It was because he gave me understanding. And then again, let's, let's kind of think about that. Before you were saved, duh, right? After you're saved, and, and here's the thing, now I go, why doesn't everybody figure this out? What's the matter with them? It's so simple. Because he gave me understanding. He opened up my eyes. Hey, when I didn't want to believe, man, I was so ignorant to the things of God. I, I've shared with you guys, I was raised in a very religious, ritualistic church, the Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox Church. And so I didn't understand anything. We had rituals you did, you know, what to do, when to do, kind of like some of the, you know, some of the other churches you raised. You just knew what to go through. But I never knew anything. And I remember Gaynell and I, I got drafted, and I'm in San Antonio in the 70s, and uh, early 70s, and there was this movie that came out, Jesus Christ Superstar. I thought, let's go see this movie. That should be interesting. And we went and saw the movie, and I didn't realize how ignorant I was biblically. My wife is sitting next to me. Now some of you go, dude, that was not a Bible uh, movie. I know I didn't follow the Bible, but it had pieces of the Bible in it. And my wife's sitting next to me and she's going, well, that's Mary. Mary who? You know, Mary, or Mary, or Mary, or Mary. <laughs> but she's going, that's, that's Mary Magdalene. I go, Who's Mary Magdalene? And then she's telling me all this stuff and then she looked at me and she goes, you know nothing 
about the Bible. And I go, you're right. Isn't that interesting? And now, look, now God's let me teach the Bible. Pretty amazing. But listen, he gives us understanding. So here's what we know. Not only did he come into the world, but he came to give us understanding so that we could know him who is true. We know him who is true, and we need to be people who we have an understanding that others don't have that understanding, and we can be a vessel used by God to bring them to that understanding. And that's, that's John's point. He says, listen, God gave you this understanding that you may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. Oh, do you know that the Holy Spirit obviously comes, takes up residence, right? We have God in us. Not in a, not in a New Age weird sense, but in a biblical sense. That's amazing. I, I always, I'm always amazed when I just think about that. The one who created the entire universe is in me. I was gonna say it's right here, and then some of you think I'm declaring I'm God, but so, gotta be careful. But he's in us. But greater than that, we are in him. And if we realize we're in him, here's what we need to realize. We're in something way bigger than our little world in this little bitty thing. We're part of something humongous. We're part of a lady riding in a van around midnight, humming, right? You getting me? And we're part of that. And we're part of these things. And we need to understand we're in him and he is in us. And how great, man, the thing I've been blessed most about in ministry, well, there's hundreds of things, but traveling around, meeting believers for the first time and their instant family, instant and you just fellowship with them because they're in God and I'm in God and God is in them and God is in me. So that's John. Listen, I, I think John, I think this is great. And then, and then he just kind of does this declaration, I believe. He says, it is true, or we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ, the true God, and he, this is the true God and eternal life. That's getting really close to claiming deity for Jesus, isn't it? That's about as good as you can get. It's what John is declaring. He's not just declaring God the Father. He's declaring Jesus is God eternal life, right? So kind of, I, I love that. And I love how John just says it and doesn't defend it. Just, here's the truth. Now his final sign off. This cracks me up. Little children, right? He likes us. He calls us little children. My little children, that's a term of endearment. Here's what he says. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Okay, thanks John. Like, again, black and white John, right? Doesn't mince a lot of words, doesn't spend a lot of things. Here's what he's saying, here's what he's saying. Watch your walk, watch what you're doing. It's interesting, the Bible scholars all say, well, you know, it's because John actually, John was part of, uh, you know, writing to the church at Ephesus, and Ephesus had all the idolatry going on, and, you know, the, the temple to Diana was there, and they had all the trinkets, and you can read about it in the book of Acts. So they had all that going on, so that's why he said that. I don't think that's why he said that. I think it was, I mean, probably that influenced it, but why did he say it? 
Because, here's why he said it, because we are tempted to go after idols. Now, I know in America, listen, I know most of us don't have little statues or little idols. Some of us, some of us do. We put them on the dashboard of our car and hope it helps us and gets us from A to B. Sorry. I always think if you have a God, you have to drive around. What kind of God is that? Right? So, and, sorry. I want a God that's bigger than that, but... But we do have idols. Success, power, relationships. I could go on, right? I think most of us understand that. Anything that comes between you and God becomes an idol. Takes your focus off of him and puts your focus on that. So we, we could plug many things in there, and I don't want to go on and on and on because I think most of us are intelligent enough to know, yeah, we do. So why does John say keep yourself from idols? Because we have the potential. I think we have the great potential to go after idols. So we need to be careful. We need to watch ourselves. So how can I keep myself from myself? There's only one of me, I know. Sorry. How can I keep myself from idols? I gotta stay close to Jesus. How do I stay close to Jesus? I read the Bible. I fellowship and I pray. It's kind of not, listen, this is not rocket science. And John is saying, man, stay close to each other. Hang out with each other. Psalm 119 says it this way. Your word is a lamp, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And again, I know I bring it up all the time. That's why we stress reading through the Bible every year. Why? Because that's what, that's a revelation. This is a revelation of God. And I want to know him. So I'm going to keep myself from idols. So here's what John says. He says, Pat, you know that those who are born of God do not sin. Do not continue in sin. You know, you know that the one who was born of God, Jesus, keeps you safe and protects you from the evil one. Pat, you know that you're of God and not under the sway of the world. You don't have to allow that to happen. Pat, you know that the Son of God came and gave you understanding. And when you know those things, listen, we start just building on those things. We know those things. Guess what? Man, we're going to have this dynamic relationship with him, and we're going to grow and we're going to change and this world is gonna lose any luster that it might have had, and we're gonna walk with him, and we're gonna enjoy him forever. Hallelujah, huh? Now, listen, I, lo- I love, I wanna, I've told you guys before, like, we're finishing up First John. We'll, we'll be going to Second John. Some people wanna know what we're gonna teach next. We're gonna teach all the First, Second, Third John, so just so you know. But I really would like to go back and start over on First John because we kind of get to the end, and I think, wow, there was, Man, we just learned a lot. Let's go back and let's go back and figure out what we learned and, and learn it again, and then go back and figure out what we learned and learn it again. Saints, let's impact our world. Let's be believers. And let's walk in the things that we know. And if you don't know, verse 18, 19, and 20, you can know. Verse 18, 19, and 20. Give your heart to Jesus. Change right now. You have that opportunity. Let's stand up and pray.
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the challenge that you've given us. And Lord, as we think about this, it's sometimes easy to sit through a message and like it and agree and hear the words and yet it never goes deep within. I pray this morning what we've heard and what we've read that that would sink deep within our souls, Lord. That we could know when we leave and be assured of when we leave of this relationship we have. That, that the things that John here just ends up saying we know, just bottom line, here's what it all is. We know Jesus and have a relationship with him. And so, enrich that, strengthen that. Do things in our life to cause us to draw closer to you, God. And I thank you for your faithfulness. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in that attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here today and, and you're realizing those are things you don't know, those are not things that are reality in your life, Today is a day of salvation. Right now, right now, you can change that. And you start by one simple step. The first step you need to take is to admit to God that you know you're a sinner. And I don't think that's hard for anybody. I, I think everybody knows they've sinned. We might try and call it something else, but we know. We know in our heart, we have a conscience, we know we've sinned. And God knows, he's, you're not telling him so he can find out. You're telling him so you know you know, and you're letting him know you know. So that's the first step. You gotta, gotta admit that. Then you gotta realize that your sin has offended a holy and righteous, perfect God. And because you've sinned against him, you deserve and you have earned his wrath for all eternity. That's frightening. When the reality of that is real in your mind, that is scary. That's all bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came and took that wrath you deserve when he was on the cross. He took that wrath, absorbed it, and paid your debt. And now he gives you that opportunity to trust him. I like to say it this way. He gives you a receipt that says your debt is paid in full. All you have to do is take that. And here's how you do that. You believe him. You trust him. So if you want to do that this morning, I'm going to say a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me, and you can say it out loud, or you can say it silently. Volume's not important. What's important is the sincerity of your heart. If you're backslidden, obviously you came to church for a reason. So if you're backslidden, come home. Come back to Jesus. Let him know that you desire that relationship. His arms are open wide. He's not gonna chase you away. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right in your home. You don't have to be here to say this prayer. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. 
Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.